0: This is Registry, a podcast from Office Supply Publishing and Klaus Gunpoint. Cartoons are an important part of American cinema, and arguably the most iconic director of cartoons of the 1950s, 40s. I don't think he went back as far as the 30s, but definitely the 50s and 60s. Was Tex Avery. And you can make all sorts of arguments about how important Tex Avery was to the evolution of MGM cartoons in particular. But the key cartoon, as far as I'm concerned, for Tex Avery is called Magical Maestro from 1952. And it is as formulaic a Tex Avery cartoon as you can find. It has a crazy magician, an opera singer, the great Puccini, a dog, of course, and supposed to be making fun of Puccini, the opera composer, and Misto, the magician, wanted to open for him, and general hijinks happen. What's really impressive about this isn't necessarily the story, of course. Um, There's some Tex Avery and Disney and all of cartoon animation were really often using the shorthand of the time that was frankly racist. Uh, The transforming of the trick that we've seen thousands of times, or someone would get hit in the head with a symbol, and they would do a Chinese stereotype with the buck teeth and the the whole spiel. And then there was a blackface spot also, uh, which actually made reference to the ink spots, which was really strange. And once I it actually had to read about it, because I knew there was something being referenced, but I didn't quite know what. And then I went, oh, okay. What's weird about that, though, is that even here, they feel tacked on, which isn't an Avery thing. Usually Tex Avery's shorts were really compact, really tight. But here, it seems like they were throwing it on as a shorthand to bring in a certain sort of reaction from the viewer. And oddly, it, I think it was supposed to bring about a positive reaction, which shows that, yeah, we're... We weren't nearly where we are today, and even today we're not great about it. What's really fascinating, though, is that there was a gag that was an Avery signature called the hair gag. And, of course, the bit is that in the old days since films were projected, you would sometimes see a hair get onto the gate and it would look like it was flickering and such. And here he actually uses it as a, you would see this gigantic hair, but he actually plays with that concept. And the opera singer actually pauses in the middle of the song and pulls it and tosses it aside. It's a great bit for film nerds that probably wouldn't play as well today. But it's interesting in that Avery had this idea of what a cartoon should be. And he worked it in a way that made every bit count. Which is why those two stereotype bits really don't feel coalesced. They're wrong, obviously. But they actually feel like they are pulling out from the cartoon. And in future showings, particularly on TV, they were cut from the cartoons, uh, shaving about 30 seconds off, which makes a lot of sense, not only for the message that they portray, but also for the flow of the cartoon, because they're actually better without them. The beauty of this entire thing, taken as a whole, is the Avery ethos is so omnipresent throughout it. And I love, you know, his character designs are great. Even his font choices for the title card are so precise to get you in that moment. Even more so than Disney, which I think there's a sort of control there that doesn't exist elsewhere. But this feels like an incredibly organic growth. Like the whole thing comes together, less so than it is forced into a container. Even though, everyone knows... Cartoons in particular are very confined, very forced into that container. But here it doesn't feel like it. Part of that, of course, is the work of people like Fred Quimby who produced it. The story by uh, Rich Hogan, solid, really fun. When you think about the voices here, just absolutely crucial to the entire thing because the voices portray the characters more so than the characters you see on the screen which is why wordless animation can be very difficult. Something like The Rite of Spring, one of my all-time favorite, or uh, Joie de Vivre. They have to go way beyond to make their characters appealing. But here, it is the voice that allows you to connect with them. This entire thing is a wonderful addition to the National Film Registry. And the fact that it was added in 1993, before a lot of the significant Disney Shorts were at it really speaks volume.